welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Our guest in this episode is Jeff Lyash, President and CEO of the Tennessee Valley Authority. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to you. I'm glad to be here with you today. I enjoyed our last session and looking forward to this. Great. Well, Jeff, to, just to get things started, um, big news, obviously, as you know, uh, was TVA recently issuing a request for proposals for up to 5,000 megawatts of carbon-free energy, which is one of the largest clean energy procurement requests in the nation. Um, so just to get our conversation started, could you offer additional details on the RFP and how does it fit into TVA's overall generation resource mix strategy? Yeah, well, let me start with the second part of that question. You know, TVA today has one of the most diverse generating portfolios in the industry. Almost 60% of the power we make today comes from sources that don't emit carbon and largely don't have associated fuel costs. That's wind, solar, hydro, and importantly, our nuclear fleet. So the diversity of that fleet has helped us keep price low, reliability high, and reduce our carbon emissions. But you know, like any good public power organization, and and like your listeners who I know, we're committed to public service. And so we recognize that in the long term, we need to continue to make progress on reducing our carbon emissions But we need to do it while keeping the price affordable, our reliability high, building an ever more resilient system. So among a portfolio of actions we're taking to further that objective, uh, we decided to test the market. 5,000 megawatts of of, uh, clean energy. And this is technology agnostic because we're focused on the outcome, affordable, reliable, resilient, and clean. So this RFP is for wind, solar, storage, green gas, uh, or nuclear power uh, on the TVA system or delivered to the TVA system from outside our footprint. We, We think it's an important thing to both understand the market and take advantage of it to the maximum extent we can. Great. Um, just a quick follow-up question. Um, so now that the RFP has been released, what's the what's the rough timeline in terms of kind of next steps? Yeah, I don't have the timeline in front of me, but we think about the next several months, giving the market time to evaluate the RFP, ask clarifying questions, and uh, and get their proposals together. I expect we'll see proposals uh, into the fourth quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. And we'll, that hopefully will put us in a position to be making decisions in the first and second quarter of next year as to what resources and how much resources we strike on. Okay, great. Um, now, when you spoke at APPA's National Conference in Nashville in June, uh, one of the things that jumped out at me is, is the fact that you said that it's crucial for public power utilities to share their expertise, best practices, and best thinking as they collaborate on solutions to solving new challenges. Um, so I just wanted to circle back to your comments from June. What you know, what what do you see as examples of challenges facing public power utilities now or in the future, on where they can effectively collaborate on solutions? Yeah, well, so let's start where we should always start, and that's with the customers. You know, we we serve uh, here at TDA. We serve 10 million people across seven states, and public power serves a significant percentage of the population in the United States. So, one of our immediate challenges is to make sure we understand the objectives uh, and expectations of our customers and how they're going to change over the coming decade, residential, commercial, and industrial customers. 
a second is to uh, is to collaborate, um, to explore new technologies, build the business models around them, and then deploy them in this generational trans uh, transition that we're all involved in to what will likely be a cleaner uh, energy future. And so I just think the, the breadth of experience that comes from the diversity in public power uh, and the capabilities, if we can forge the right relationships and collaborate, can be quite powerful. We, I can just tell you, for example, we, um, we work very closely uh, with 153 local power companies that we serve and our, and our direct serve customers. And one of the things we're focused on, just by way of example now, is supply chain challenges. So we, we're challenged, as every industry is, with supply chain uh, everything from transformers to conductor. And um, and so we're collaborating with local power companies to try to help uh, alleviate that problem. Do you have any, with respect to supply chain, uh, this is probably an impossible question to answer, but do you have any sense or visibility on have we seen the worst of this crunch in terms of the supply chain pipeline, or is it hard to say at this point? It, it is hard to say. I, my own personal belief is the supply chain issues are going to stay with us for quite a while. Okay. Uh, you know, and hopefully we'll, uh, as an industry, be able to confront them and find ways to mitigate it while we look for longer-term solutions. But uh, I think some of these issues, whether it's core iron or copper or manufacturing, such as uh, transformers, uh, I, I think we're going to have to manage this for the next couple of years at least. Okay. Now you mentioned new technologies and, and nuclear in the context of um, the RFP and possible responses. Um, so it, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is the TVA and, and Canada's Ontario power generation uh, announcing earlier this year that you guys are going to work together to develop small modular reactors. So could you talk about this partnership and, and TVA's ongoing interests in uh, small modular reactors? Yeah, I certainly, I certainly can. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, our challenge is going to be to, to decarbonize the current electricity system. But that, that's not the larger challenge. The larger challenge is how do you, how do you maintain carbon-free assets to serve what could be a 50 to 100% increase in terawatt hour consumption over the next three decades. That, driven by electrification, beginning with things like transportation. We see that going on right now. So that is a very large challenge. And in order to face that, we have to use all the tools in the toolbox. So um, optimizing, leveraging, and extending our existing nuclear fleet investing in our hydro assets to get more out of them, investing in our transmission system to create a more integrated, efficient uh, grid. We're going to need to retire our coal units. Uh, building natural gas as a bridge is going to be important. We're going to integrate tens of thousands of megawatts of solar into this system. And But, you know, I cannot see a scenario where we can be successful, even if we use all those technologies, without uh, also including new nuclear in that mix. New nuclear as a diverse fuel su uh, supply, new nuclear as a secure fuel supply with 18 to 24 months of fuel in the reactor, new nuclear 
for the stabilizing effect it has on the grid, the inertia that it adds that helps make the renewables possible. And so that's what brings TVA to new nuclear. It's, it's not that we're just going to do nuclear. It's that new nuclear must be part of the solution. And so we're exploring that. Um, we're building a new nuclear program because building one reactor isn't worth the effort unless that one reactor leads to a fleet that has a material impact. So we're building a program, but we're also building a project or at least evaluating building a project. And that is our Clinch River uh, small module reactor. We, we think these can be done with lower risk on a more predictable cost and schedule than prior technologies. Uh, they are they take safe designs and make them even safer. And so that's how new nuclear fits for us. But you know, no challenge like this really should be attempted alone. Partnerships are the are where the strength lies. And so we're forging partnerships. You mentioned our partnership with Ontario Power Generation and Synthos. Those two companies are focused on the same technology here early on, the BWRX 300. And so we will be sharing some of the costs of developing the standard design, and we will be sharing planning and operating experience, construction experience as these programs unfold uh, and supporting each other. And we think we'll be stronger for it. We're, we're, we're speaking at the start of August, so obviously the power grid nationwide is not quite out of the woods yet in terms of uh, summer heat and uh, the resulting power demand increases. Um, but I did want to I did want to circle back to something that happened earlier this summer uh, in, in the context of TVA and the local power companies you guys serve and the fact that you successfully met record power demand in June. Can you talk about the steps that TVA and the local power companies have taken to uh, boost reliability and prepare for record power demand events? Yeah, this is critically important. You, you remember earlier I said anything TVA does, we, we re- really hold up against four pillars how, how that, that we want to make sure we, we keep our eye on. They are affordability. How do we keep power affordable for the people we serve? Reliable. Resilient. Able to, in other words, able to withstand shocks to the system and increasingly clean. You really can't have one without the other three. Affordable power that is, uh, that, that is very carbon intense in the long term, going to be hard to sustain. Um, uh, you know, reliability uh, sacrifice is just not going to fly with our customers. So we hold it up against those four things. As you mentioned, in uh, first of all, we here in our footprint now are seeing economic growth and, uh, and in-migration, and that means load growth. Um, degree days, degree heating and cooling days aside, weather aside, we're seeing growth. And so we have to prepare for that. We also saw some record heats, and the combination of the two in June led us to have a two-week period where we had peak demands well above 30,000 megawatts, over 31,000 megawatts. It was one of the highest, if not the highest, power demand June months in TVA's 90-year history. The, the, so how do we prepare for that? Well, you know, um, 
we're fortunate in that this model in the TV in the Tennessee Valley is um, is one where TVA's long term focus and partnership with our local power companies lets us look a year, five years, ten years, twenty years out, and plan the kind of system that meets those four tests I laid out. And so uh, there is a real long term partnership aspect of this that's helpful. And and the second is we get ourselves ready uh, for the summer and the winter. TVA with maintaining our equipment, with scheduling our outages, with putting a priority on having the reserves to address unexpected events. Uh, Our local power companies do a very good job of the same, uh, maintaining their system reliable. And we work with our uh, direct serve customers who uh, have a curtailable rate with us and basically represent a virtual power plant when we hit peaking days where we can reduce their load if we need to. So all those partners uh, help us have the certainty and the relationships to continuously invest in this system to produce these kind of results. Is the is the low growth expected to continue to, to occur over the next uh, shorter term or even longer term? Well, you know, it's uh, it, as a CEO, you try never to predict the future. Right. Uh, but but I will tell you, um, with uh, t- the seven states, Tennessee Valley, where we serve, it's an attractive part of the country. Uh, one of our focuses is economic development mm-hmm. and partnered with local power companies and with with our state officials. We've been very successful at a, at attracting both capital and jobs. Just in the last five years, uh, we've attracted about $45 billion worth of capital investment and about 350,000 new jobs to our service territory. So, you know, that would indicate to you that, uh, that the low growth we're seeing now, nominally about 2%, uh, is likely to build into the future, uh, and and uh, I'm optimistic that it will. Of course, the challenge for us is how do you decarbonize a system while you're growing it at the same time, and uh, that's where we're focused. Okay, great. Um, so I wanted to switch topics here and and, and drill down into the t- subject of electric vehicles. Um, and I did have a specific question, but feel free to, to add anything beyond the specific question that I have for you, which is wanted to see if you could talk about TVA's role in, in the Electric Highway Coalition and maybe first kind of just provide a general description of the coalition. And like I, like I asked, if you could provide details on TVA's role. Yeah, so let me, uh, let me start out with electric vehicles. So, uh, you know, our, our view of this is that electrification is going to be an important part of decarbonizing the, econ- the economy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our challenge is uh, build an increasingly low-carbon fleet of generation and then use that, that affordable low-carbon electricity to electrify other sectors of the economy to help with economy-wide decarbonization. And electric vehicles, you can see, really fits in a nice spot there. So uh, a number of years ago, we focused on uh, EV manufacturers, 
battery manufacturers and their suppliers as a central part of our economic development programs. It, it's resulted in us being able to attract uh, car manufacturers like Ford, General Motors, Toyota, Mazda, and Volkswagens, all of whom are making EVs here in the Valley. And also the battery manufacturers that support them, SK, LG, Vision in Kentucky. So we see this as a central element of our economic development program. To, to that end, we were early movers in helping to put together uh, the Electric Highway Coalition. It started out uh, with TVA and, and regional utilities here and now has spread across large parts of the country. We're really happy to see that. That just helps with education, with policy, uh, and with coordinating a bit the approaches that various utilities are taking. Here in our footprint, you, you may or may not know, we partnered with the state of Tennessee, are engaged in what we call the Fast 50. This is high voltage DC charging facilities every 50 miles on every major highway in Tennessee so that you can get in an EV in Johnson City and Northeast Tennessee and drive to Memphis in the far west and not have to worry about whether you're ever 50 miles, more than 50 miles from a high voltage charging station. You know, we've also set one uniform charging wholesale power rate. Uh, doesn't include demand charges. So regardless of the time of day, you know, as an LPC, if you're uh, if you're fueling up electric chargers, you're you're paying one of the country's lowest and flattest rates for that. Because we really see the nexus between EV manufacturing and deployment and clean energy being a pretty significant um, advantage uh, for us in the country in the future if we're smart about how we do this. The FAST 50 you mentioned, that obviously will go a long way in terms of addressing range anxiety. Can you provide any additional details in terms of like when that launched and kind of are there is that an ongoing effort? Yeah, we we launched it last year. Uh -huh. uh, we're well into identifying all of the sites across okay. the footprint. We're already deploying the chargers, and we expect to have that program essentially executed by 2025. Okay, great. But it's, um, it's in progress now. The first of those chargers was. Uh, was put in place in actually in Fort Payne, Alabama, mm. uh, because other states, in addition to Tennessee, uh, have um, uh, have uh, uh, have joined in here. Okay, great. Um, and so, in terms of real breaking news today, uh, August first, uh, August second. Sorry, um, TVA reported third quarter fiscal year twenty twenty two financial results. Did you want to highlight anything from those results? Yeah, there are a few things that I think uh, I think that are worth mentioning. So, um, uh, we reported our first three quarters, and our first three quarters have been very strong. It looks like it's going to be another banner year for us in economic development, recruiting jobs and capital here to the valley. Uh, it was certainly high load. Our electric sales uh, are up almost three percent year on year, and um, that's a that's a testament to that economic growth that we're talking about. Uh, there was a, a bit of a boost in that those numbers because of the 
high loads we saw due, due to the heat in uh, in June. Um, but you know, even even with that, we're able to maintain our rates low. We're lower than about three quarters of the utilities in the country, uh, and keep our debt at our objective about twenty billion of debt. Uh, and for for a, a company that has over fifty five billion in assets, that's a pretty strong balance sheet. That's that's where we wanted to keep it. Now, one one item I'd mention there that we talked about in this call is fuel in our earnings call is fuel price. Um, our revenues are up significantly uh, because of uh, collecting for rising fuel costs. It's important, you know. We uh, we understand the impact that rising fuel costs and high energy demand have, especially when taken together, like we've seen in June and July on our customers. And so we are focused on doing absolutely everything we can to maintain those fuel prices as low as possible. Now, you know, we have an, a, an advantage here at TBA. Our, with our diverse portfolio, 60% of our generation doesn't really have volatile fuel costs. So unlike others around us, uh, when gas triples or coal triples in price, which they have, our exposure to that is smaller than most. And we've done a pretty good job hedging much of that exposure. Um, our fuel costs tend to be in the best decile in the industry. Um, and so even as, our, as we're sensitive to our customers uh, having to pay higher fuel costs, even though gas has tripled the commodity price, our base rate plus fuel price has only gone up 11%. Eleven um, percent is more than we'd like to see, uh, but uh, on a relative basis, I think we're delivering great value to the customers. Great, Jeff. Well, as you alluded to at the start of our conversation, you're you now been on the podcast two times. Uh, I'd love to have you back for a third time, um, perhaps sometime next year. Um, it's been a great conversation. So, thanks again for for returning as a guest. Well, thank you. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I really enjoyed the APPA conference, uh, seeing all the participants in public power from across the, the country. And uh, I, I would just say to them, your mission of service is important. It, it makes a difference, not just to the customers you serve, but by the example you set, uh, um, we, we are, we are uh, improving the lives of people across the nation. Terrific. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which comes to you from the American Public Power Association and is produced by APPA Digital Content Director David Blaylock. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power. <laughs>